Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Happy to be here with you again alongside my partner on the airwaves, Sarah Jones, from Keeping Up With The Joneses Financial Coaching. I'm Coach Nino Villa, and today's a bit of a rant day. Uh, there have been some recent events going on, and I just wanna—I just wanna rant a little bit. You okay with that today, Sarah? I think it's a fabulous idea. We're all entitled to a little rant every now and again, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Because you know, we come on here, we talk about money. It's incredibly personal, and uh, sometimes it's a—it's a source of frustration or or whatever the case may be, right? You know, there's a lot of stress that kind of goes along with money from time to time. And even even us pros feel that mm-hmm. stress every once in a while. So let me start by sharing a little story from over the weekend, if I may. Um, I was in the car on my way to uh, an event for a friend, and I was doing some mental math as I find myself often doing when I'm not doing anything else. (laughs) And I turned to my wife and I said, I said, Christina, you know, I've done this exercise in my head before, but it's been a long, long time. And I don't remember what the result of it was uh, in the past, but I don't think it bothered me the way it bothered me this time. And Mm -hmm. the mental exercise that I went through is I started calculating the distance we were traveling the miles per gallon that my vehicle gets and multiplying that by the gas prices (laughs) to start to determine how much money I was spending just to travel to this event. Mm. And I got to tell you, not only was I not like real thrilled about the number, but more so I was not thrilled by the fact that I live in a day and an age where I'm doing this mental exercise and I'm bothered. I'm bothered by the number. I'm bothered by the fact that I have to calculate it because, you know, I'm somebody who keeps a pretty tight budget and and I just want to know, you know, like, I I guess if anything, I wanted to kind of reevaluate, am I budgeting enough Mm -hmm. for gas now that, you know, prices are on the rise and whatnot. And to, to know that when I was, traveling about 60 miles throughout the day and that my car gets about 20 miles to the gallon and that gas is about $5 a gallon to know that I was spending $15 just to travel there. It really bugged me. I got to tell you, not happy. And that's interesting. I think this, this is, uh, it's interesting because I think I shared on a past episode with, um, groceries, right? And how to save some money with, you know, because inflation is here, right? And how much does it cost me to drive to a a grocery store that's farther away versus going to a closer grocery store, you know, but the prices are higher. So what am I spending in gas? And is it really cheaper? And, um, you know, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because I'm, I'm curious now. Um, is your frustration more, was it, where do you think the question started? How did it come about? Why why did you start to calculate this? Was it intentional? Was it more subconscious? How did this all start? 
I think it probably was, it, it, it had to have been more subconscious. So um, anytime I'm kind of driving across the valley, I'm going to mm-hmm. fill up before hitting the freeway, right? Mm-hmm. So I had filled up and, and it was time to fill up anyway. So it was about $70. And, uh, and I can remember just a short six months ago, that same fill up would have been $35, quite literally mm-hmm. half of what it is. So while I was modestly, mildly annoyed by the sheer amount of the fill-up, I'm guessing subconsciously I just started calculating things like, okay, well, now that you filled up, how much of this gas are you going to be using today and how much would that have cost you? And it just kind of snowballed Mm -hmm. from there. Mm -hmm. Did it change or affect the outcome of the day? Did did it... Did it cause you to say, maybe I'm going to make a different choice in the future? I'm going to be more, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, we, I think, I, yeah, I, I understand the question because <clears throat> what it got me thinking about is it got me thinking about the frequency at which I might travel across the valley. Mm-hmm. Or we love to have um, family and friends over to our home. And I know that we are not close by. So I might, I might not, not, I will still invite people at the same frequency, but if they said they couldn't make it, I would, I would, I would start to understand to a different Mm. degree that, you know, it might have something to do with rising fuel costs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think this is tough. And, you know, I I think I've experienced this too. And, you know, you had mentioned even, you know, we were talking before we hit record on this. But I think some of us are fortunate enough, right, that we can go and fill up and maybe we've, our accounts have enough cushion in them that we can absorb some of these additional costs, maybe a little bit easier than somebody that's on a really, really tight budget, Right. And how I can still go to the pump and fill up and actually fill up. Right. And not have to stop it, you know, at $20. Right. Because this is the only amount of money that I have. And so I feel very fortunate, but it causes me to think about things way differently now. And, you know, I've shared we're on a we're on a fairly tight budget now. And so. I find myself thinking of these things more and more and much like you, I think getting a little bit annoyed (laughs) that I'm thinking about these things that Mm -hmm. maybe they're even, they're, they're crossing my, they're coming into my thoughts way more than I want them to, to come in. Um, Do you think this is partly just the nature of the business that we're in and helping people that this is kind of at the forefront of a lot of what we do anyways. So do you think that it's, we are more conscious of these things versus maybe somebody who doesn't talk to, you know, as many people as you and I talk to? Yeah. You know that it is probably fueled, but no pun intended, (laughs) but it is probably fueled by the By the conversations that we do have with clients, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you're absolutely right. As much as I want to rant and complain, uh, I too feel very blessed. I remember back in my like mid twenties being the person who 
could only afford to put five or ten dollars of gas into my tank at that time. That that's all the cash I had, and and it was somewhere in my mid twenties that maybe it was the start of a new job or something where all of a sudden I could fill up the tank and I didn't have to concern myself with whether or not I was then going to be able to put food on the table or, mm. you know, make my rent payment that month. And so I feel incredibly blessed that I'm still in that position where I can easily fill up. It's, you know, it, it, it takes, there's a little bit of frustration just because of the, the sheer amount of inflation that we've experienced in such a short period of time. But it's also, um, it's it's cause for going back into the budget and, and mm-hmm. tweaking things and, and reorganizing things and reprioritizing. But I think you're absolutely right. With the sheer quantity of conversations that I'm having on a weekly basis with clients, and this topic comes up over and over and over again, I think part of it is my frustration that maybe others aren't in the position that I'm in. And so they're they're on harder times because the 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 doubling of gas prices means that they went from maybe five percent of their overall monthly income to ten percent. And could you imagine spending ten percent of your income just to just to fuel the car? It, so I think some of that frustration it lies there as well. Sure. And the ripple effects that it has, right? Because it's not just that. It's, <clears throat> to your point, going and visiting friends, getting out of the house, right? A, a, a day of entertainment, you know? Um, it's that ripple effect that when we have budgeted a day out, now we have to plan in more just because of fuel prices. And are we... I don't want to say we won't have as much fun, but it can put some more stress on a situation when you're trying to do something fun with your family, right? That especially yeah. with people that are on really tight budgets that have planned a day out, planned, you know, some entertainment, get the kids out of the house and do something. And now with the price of fuel, it does change the way we handle these, you know, the, these outings and everything. Yeah. Quite literally, your dollar does not go as far. Mm. As it did, yeah. quite literally. I mean, you, you're not going to get as far in your vehicle as you normally would have. Even again, a short six months ago. I guess that's the other thing: is this this record inflation in such a short period of time? Um, it, it it's wild, and I don't mm-hmm. want to spend uh, you know our entire time talking about. Um, fuel prices, because um, I think we'll just drive our listeners just as crazy. But I thought it was, uh, it was just, like I said, I wanted to rant about recent events. And there's some other mm-hmm. recent event, events that I wanted to rant about. But before I just abruptly make a left turn, I want just to give you an opportunity, Sarah, to see, say anything else that is kind of relevant to fuel that uh, you think the listeners must hear. Sure. You know, maybe they don't need to hear this, but I have a question for you. What's the okay. lowest price per gallon for fuel that, that you can remember that that you've lived in? What's the lowest price? Do you remember? I, I, re- I remember this vividly because it was um, 
as I was relocating from Buffalo, New York to Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. on the way, we got off of the freeway a couple of times and filled up at like 98 cents a gallon. Mm-hmm. So that was back in like 1998, 99. Um, but yeah, under a dollar a gallon. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I remember when I was a teenager, first started driving, <clears throat> I went to the same gas station because they generally had the cheapest fuel around and I was very much on a very tight budget for fuel. Um, The cheapest I remember it getting was 89 cents a gallon there. Mm. 89. And I think, boy, (laughs) what I couldn't do if those were the prices today. (laughs) Right. You know what you just got me thinking about, though? <laughs> and you do this. You you do this time and time again where you, you just, you kind of, um, kind of tickle the intellect a little bit. And all of a sudden, it's, you start thinking about something different. So when I was filling up at 98 cents a gallon, I was filling up a 1985 Camaro that got eight <laughs> miles to the mm. gallon. Eight. Wow. And so... You know, if if I take what I get twenty miles to the gallon, and it's costing me five dollars, versus getting eight miles to the gallon mm-hmm. and it costing a buck. I mean, obviously it was still cheaper, right? Whenever I'm putting on the spot to do math in my head, as much as I'm a numbers nerd, I'm always afraid I'm going to do it wrong. It might be pretty close to the same percentage, though, wouldn't it? I mean. It, it might not be, like, it will be cheaper, but the percentage that you're spending, right? Like, it's, uh... Yeah. <clears throat> hmm. So, Interesting. Well, in order for me to travel 20 miles today, it cost me $5. I, I feel so badly for our listeners, but they're, they're awesome rock stars for hanging out during this part <laughs> of it. But it cost me $5 to travel 20 miles, mm-hmm. right? It would have cost me about three dollars to get twenty-four miles. So, mm-hmm. so even though, so I go back to six months ago when it was like two fifty-nine, mm-hmm. right? Like two fifty-nine to go that twenty miles versus three dollars to go tw- like that was more of a comparison. So, like sure. all the inflation we've seen since nineteen ninety-eight to mm-hmm. twenty twenty. Or even twenty, you know, late twenty twenty one. That made sense. It kind of this for that, right? But now, now? <laughs> there we just proved it. We proved that although cars got fewer miles to the gallon and gas was cheaper, you were essentially still paying the same amount of money to travel the same distance mm-hmm. up until about six months ago when things went. Absolutely haywire. And that's how we got here. If you're wondering, 16 minutes into this podcast, how did we get here? That's how we got here. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Well, you know what? If nothing else, this is entertaining. I mean, this is entertaining. (laughs) For for sure. And and we have another topic we want to rant about. Are, Are we good to... To, to yep. switch over to that? I think we better. All we right. might lose some people if we don't. 
and now, but now we, we, now we got them back. Like, wait a minute, they're going to rant about something else. <laughs> um, all right. So for those of you who have suffered through, let's talk about the recent news of uh, the state of Florida and uh, DeSantis signing into legislation that high school students in the state of Florida are going to be required to take a financial literacy course in order to graduate. And while I want to start off by saying, good, good, like, yay for financial literacy, because that's what we are all about. And I think that the education system has done an underwhelming job of preparing people Mm -hmm to manage their money well outside of high school. Mm-hmm. So I want, while I want to start by applauding them, I also want to talk about maybe some of the unintended consequences mm-hmm. that may result from even something that might have good intentions. Sure. You know, and this is, I, I love that we're talking about this because <clears throat> I like the fact that they see that it's in need, that there's been, it's the, the, financial literacy, financial education maybe has been lacking, right? And so they see that there's a need to have this topic covered. So again, kudos for that. But, you know, I'm going to be really honest here that, um, and I've had this conversation with other people. I personally don't necessarily believe that it's the school's job to be teaching my children how to handle their money because I don't know what it is that they're teaching them. Mm. And... I know there are maybe some misconceptions, I'll just say, in this world, right, about so many things, how to, you know, when to invest, what to invest in, um, how to build a credit score, how to, you know, cash versus debit, you know, all of these things, right? There's, there's so many, and I'll call them misconceptions because I think that there are, and it fuels into the... I mean, that's what it is. That's still financial education that we're being thrown at us. Um, and I I just don't believe that it's the school's job to teach my children. I want to be able to teach my children how to handle their money. And I want them to have conversations with me about it, right? And we use our values and 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 I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this that while being a financial coach now, I haven't always been, right? Like I've been through a lot of crazy, crazy years of financial hardships and learning and frustration. And so, you know, it's been a culmination of all of these years, but I, I just don't believe it's the school's job. I just don't believe it's the education system's job to be teaching my children what to do with their money. And you make such an interesting point. Um, you know, I think I think back to my own high school experience, and that that was quite some time ago. <clears throat> and I took <laughs> some type of either economics or personal finance class that that did some of the basics. You know, taught me how to balance a checkbook. <clears throat> Excuse me. The uh, talked a little bit about what it meant to establish credit and how to mm. like one of the projects we had to do was purchase a $25,000 vehicle with, um, with financing so that we would understand interest rates and payments and, and whatnot. So mm. we had to kind of um, research the vehicle we wanted to buy and, 
And if we got a five-year loan, what would the interest rate be on and all that sort of thing? So they, they, they tried. Um, but I think it was, I think about how with this announcement, here we are all these years later, it's 2022 people. I, I graduated high school in 97. So mm. what you're going to teach somebody in 1995 is wildly different than right. what you should be teaching them in 2022. And when I heard that they're going to teach them how to balance a checkbook, I just couldn't help but roll my eyes. Like, mm. okay, I, I believe in reconciling your bank statements for sure and really having a handle on um, the, the real, what I call the real money in your checking account. Because mm. if you have <clears throat> auto debits or you, you have written a check and it hasn't cleared yet, those uncleared expenses are going to come out of your, your balance. And so when you check your balance online, that's mm-hmm. not a real reflection of the real money. So I couldn't help but roll my eyes because I thought to myself, I certainly hope there's a lot more to it than what I experienced mm-hmm. 20 some years ago. Right. Absolutely. Like, and it would be and nice. I was, I was just going to say, I, I graduated in 97 as well <clears throat> and had a class probably middle school ish. Hmm, possibly high school. Same thing. Let's budget a checkbook, right? Let's let's go through what does it look like to reconcile. And I took accounting classes in high school. You know, I took some accounting classes and on mm-hmm. and even into um, college, community college. I took you know some accounting classes. So I learned about numbers, but I didn't learn how to actually apply all of that to life. And there's a difference with that right. too, right? How do we actually apply it to everyday life yeah that's the million dollar question right there is it's it's fine to learn something theoretically Mm -hmm. um and and let me be very specific with a, a very specific example you can theorize with a teenager all day long about the use of a credit card Mm -hmm. until they actually have one in which they can then apply what they're trying to learn. I, you know, the most common teaching around a credit card is to pay off the balance every month. And I'm pretty sure you and I've had this conversation on the show before mm-hmm. where that that's the most common thing taught. Well, pay off your balance every month. Okay, but that's only one element of how to use a credit card and how to use credit wisely. So can we get more sophisticated, please? Can we have real conversations about not just whether or not you pay off your balance every month to avoid interest, but what happens when you find that you can't do that anymore? And then can we have a conversation about debt consolidation and what a scam Mm -hmm. that is and just all like everything. Now, I get it. You can't dump the entire kitchen sink onto a 16-year-old who doesn't even have an income yet. But I fear Mm -hmm. that this attempt at financial literacy education is going to fall short of its intent. And to your earlier point about not knowing what they're going to teach, it's not only some of the holes that they might miss, But what if they teach things that drive consumerism Mm -hmm. when I want to teach my children contentment? 
Right. Well, and you know, I, I was just thinking as you were talking, you know, even about the credit cards paid off every month. Well, that's all fine and dandy information. And those are great words to tell somebody, but how do we get to the point of being able to do that? What does that even look like? How do we know that we're going to be able to pay it off every month? How do we ensure that that happens? So there's the beforehand part of that. There's the information and the education that comes before we even get to that. And it is a lot, you know, and, and you and I know, um, I don't think it's complicated, but there's a series of steps that we generally take, right? And, and kind of a starting out point, you know, to get a good handle on your money. I, I think if their curriculum was set and they had conversations with the right kinds of people to develop a curriculum in this financial literacy, hopefully it could be beneficial. Um, and I'm going to be really careful because I want to make this very apolitical, but I will say <laughs> our education system is run by the government. Yes. Um, eek. <laughs> like, right. Any, it, it's not one party or another. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm saying that there, that that's just where it's at and it makes me nervous. So. Right. The, the government, whether you are on one side or the other, does not matter. I think we can all agree that the government is wildly in, inefficient mm. and insufficient that that they do leave behind lots of holes in education where um it you know it, i want to go back to another point you made though as as i'm bashing the government and their inability to um educate effectively i want to be i want to just remind ourselves that you made a great point about like there's a place for parents in this conversation mm -hmm. right that mm -hmm. you know whether and I think if you're listening to this podcast then and, and you are a parent, then you're a parent who is at least on the journey to try to figure this out because you realize that there was a problem. Somewhere you're mm -hmm. like, I'm not getting the education or the knowledge around this topic that I desire. And so you found your mm -hmm. way to the New Money Habits podcast and you're listening. And so kudos on you because you're, you're trying to fill that gap that you have recognized has been left behind. And so you're going to be a parent that then turns and tries to fill those gaps for your children. But understand for generations now, mm -hmm. we've had parents. It, like I think about my, my own parents. My father was born in 35. So by the time he was a teenager, it's the early fifties. That's when credit cards first kind of, hit the mainstream. So mm -hmm. what was my dad going to be able to tell me about the use of credit cards? It, right. it was a learning experience and he wasn't, he wasn't equipped to um, kind of impart that knowledge on me other than mm -hmm. the blanketed pay it off every month, which to your point, <laughs> great words of advice, but how do I budget my income? What kind of plan do I have for the money coming in so that I can actually pay the things that I charge up? Because if I'm charging up more than I'm bringing in, I'm not going to be right. able to pay it off. And that seems to be one of those holes that's mm -hmm. left behind because we just talk about, oh, pay it off every month. 
but we don't talk about the income needed in order to do that or the discipline needed to not overspend. Right. Well, and, and, you know, I think I could go on and on about this, but, you know, and then how many times do we have like an emergency come up? Right. And because we haven't planned, it goes back to our plan. You know, you need to have a plan, right? You need to know what you're doing with your dollars. And I hope, you know, and I'm, I'm going to throw out, you know, something maybe positive with this that my hope is, is that they, they look at where the, the education needs to start and what are the actual starting points of it to get people going, to get teenagers, right? High schoolers going on the right foot. And even talking about the parents, Nino, you know, I think that it is our, you know, personal responsibility to, to teach our children. But let's say, let's say I'm just now starting my journey, right? And I'm still learning too. It is my hope that if this legislation, you know, once they get these, these literacy classes going, that the kids go home then and have these conversations with their parents, what it is that they're learning, right? And it sparks mm -hmm. some more communication in the household. And let me just say, I hope it's positive communication, right? I hope that the kids that are learning this say, you know what, maybe my parents can benefit from this too. Or let me ask my parents how they feel about this or what do they do, right? And I, I hope that it sparks mm -hmm. more positive communication in the home surrounding finances. Um, if nothing else, starting that conversation, right? And normalizing it within our yeah. own homes and, and um, opening ourselves up to a different way of thinking, a different perspective, and allow to allow our, ourselves to talk through some of these things as a family together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's the other part of this is, I don't know. I don't know too many people, if any, that before I became a financial coach, I don't remember any one of my friends saying that they've ever had a conversation with their parents about money. Hmm. I never had conversations like real conversations with my parents about money. After becoming a financial coach, my mother opened up about her, her household income, her expenses, her debt, looking for some guidance. And, and I thought to myself, like, here I am, what I, I started coaching in my early to mid thirties. And so here I am like 30 something years old. And this is the first time I'm having a real conversation mm. about income, expenses, uh, debt, those sorts of conversations with the one person that I, I'm, I, my mother and I have a fantastic relationship. And sure. so it's like, wow, like why, why has it taken us this long to have mm -hmm. a real conversation about something that impacts our daily lives? And I think it's because it is so taboo that it's even taboo mm -hmm within your own household. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's not lost on me. I have empathy for, I, I have a 12 year old and an eight year old. And just recently, maybe within the last year or two, one of them came and asked me, dad, how much money do you make a year? <laughs> and at first there was a little bit of like, uh, that's none of your darn business. <laughs> but then I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to mm -hmm. have this conversation, but I'm going to have it in its totality. It was not just about, how much does dad mm -hmm. earn a year? It's what do those dollars need to do? 
there's mm-hmm. responsibilities with that money. And so it was just a great way. But I think about how that is not normal. Or right. I've never experienced that to be normal. Sure. You know, and I look back, um, I'll just tell you one of my earliest memories um, of finances in my household were my parents fighting. Fighting over money. Mm. I was four years old. And I remember it was such a bad argument that I went and I hid. I went and I hid in the house. This was one of my... Not my earliest memory, but the earliest memory that I can remember surrounding money in the household. And so I did not grow up in a household that, I mean, they talked about money, but it wasn't in, dare I say, a productive way. Certainly not when mm-hmm. us kids were present. There, I, I don't remember a whole lot of productive conversations. I talked to my parents about money pretty early on or tried to, um, especially when I was moving out, you know, on my own but I'm a little bit different character. (laughs) I mean, I'm just a little bit different. Um, but, uh, um, even with my own kids, you know, going through a lot of, you know, my husband, um, my children have two households. Um, I am divorced from their dad. And so they grew up for, for, well, my daughter, quite frankly, for most of her life has been in two households. And so what that's two different sets of values and, and beliefs mm-hmm. surrounding money. Right. And, and, um, my ex-husband, you know, him and his wife, they handle things very differently than my husband and I do. Right. And so my children were then exposed to two different, and dare I say the opposite ends of the spectrum in, in a lot of areas. And so we had some very challenging conversations with the kids. Um, but I'm happy to report, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but you know, I just, I have to share this. Try to have conversations with my kids, right? Younger teenagers, they don't want to listen. They know everything. There's teenagers out there that are listening. Thank you. I appreciate you wanting to, to listen and learn. <laughs> but um, my own didn't really want to take the time to listen to me, right? And it was very hard to have conversations. Um, my son came in to visit us in January. My daughter came over. So it was all four of us together. And my son got off the plane and unloaded his bag. And he brings out this notebook and a brand new package of multicolored pens. Now I'll tell you, if you know me, oh, they're right here. This girl colored pens, like I color code. So you bring colored <laughs> pens to my household. You're speaking my, my love language, right? He says, this notebook says budget on it. He said, mom, I want to have a conversation. I want to talk about my budget. And I was like, what, what is this? And my daughter's like, actually, mom, do you have a notebook too? Because things are changing for me and I want some help working through some things. So I think I, I went a little bit sideways with this, Nino, but part of my point is, is that kids actually do want to have conversations. Sometimes we don't know, they don't know how to start them. Right. And, and knowing that you can be open with your kids, knowing that they can come to you and have these conversations, um, is really, really priceless. Um, and I hope that they carry it on if they choose to have children, yeah. right? That they carry it on. So, yeah, I think you make a good point about how, um, they don't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. right? So they don't, they won't necessarily know how to get that conversation started. Uh, as I thought about it, I mean, there's, probably plenty of times that parents try to have the conversation and the children simply don't want to hear it. But if they know that you 
you're open to being a resource, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like anything else, right? The, if they need to talk to you about drugs or alcohol, they need to talk to right. you about sex. They, they need to talk to you about money. These are, these are the things that are really going to shape them as human beings that to a much, much mm-hmm. earlier point, maybe we don't want to just leave it in the hands of the education system to do that. Um, like I said, I want to applaud uh, the state of Florida for making um, mm-hmm. financial literacy a priority. Uh, at one half of a credit, you know, how much literacy are they going to get for one half of a credit? But <laughs> something's better than nothing, and at least it's a path towards um, maybe even even maybe just the news breaking that this is a thing will get more and more people thinking about how they want to have the conversations in their own home. I think like other education curriculum things that are happening in our country right now, it's all of this media uh, coverage of what's going on in schools, I think is just helping parents to kind of become more aware of the things that they want to have a bigger influence over, mm-hmm. right? Versus, like, for instance, um, I actually I don't have a good example at the top of my mind. I, I thought I did, but um, you know, as a as a parent of two school aged kids, um, I I think I'm less concerned about, let's say, like their English uh, curriculum that's going to teach them how to conjugate verbs than I am maybe their science curriculum that's mm-hmm. going to heavily focus on one viewpoint. Right. For instance. Same right. thing here. Financial mm-hmm. literacy. You might not want to leave it up to just them. Right. You know, I am I'm actually really enjoying this conversation because it's sparking so many more things for me just as you and I talk about this and um you know, just how interesting all of this is turning out to be, right? And, and you know, and, and I'll applaud, you know, Florida for doing this too, because like you said, it's a starting point. And maybe, maybe other states will see, you know, that initiative and start at least having the conversations, right? Does this need to be a part of the curriculum? You know, and if it does, what might it look like? Right. Is, is this a need? And, mm-hmm. and maybe it, it starts to just um, bring forth more conversation about it. If nothing else, more conversation. So I am, um, I'm, I'm going to be hopeful um, that we're, we're making a, hopefully they're making a good move here. Um, yeah. I think uh, more conversation is always better than less. Right? Mm-hmm. The more we can kind of discuss something, the more we can kind of unpack it. Uh, as you had mentioned earlier, before we hit the record button, we were kind of prepping for uh, this this conversation. And, you know, I was really, I, I won't say firmly, but I was really thinking of it from the perspective of, you know, this is this is a great move. And then you got me quickly thinking about, well, hold on, there might be some unintended consequences that might occur. <laughs> and it just means that the more we explore, the better informed we can be 
Um, the more, the more uh, analytical and critical we can be, and not critical in the sense of just criticizing, but just like like analyzing and, and critiquing right. and taking a closer look and and those types of things. Um, as as we're about to wrap up here, I, I want to share one other brief story because um, I saw a a small clip of an interview done with um, Robert uh, Kiyosaki, the author mm. of Rich Dad Poor Dad. <clears throat> And the interviewer was asking him things like, if you could, if you had the money to buy either Apple or Tesla, which one would you choose? And he's like, neither. He's like, that's the wrong question. Mm. He's like, so the interviewer's like, well, what's the right question? He's like, the right question is, why wouldn't I buy either one of those companies? And how would I make money faster than if I purchased those companies. Mm. I was like, wow. Okay. So I just thought it, it was a great example about how we might have misconceptions about around financial literacy. And we might mm. think that there's one way or, or very select few ways of doing something. And then you have somebody who has, has been wildly successful who kind of says, um, and, and in this clip, in this interview, he, he's like, he calls out himself, Jeff Bezos and, and, and somebody else, but he's like, none of us pay taxes. Do you know how we do that? It's because we do things differently. And it's like, okay. So when talking about this idea of money management and financial literacy and just education around how to handle your finances, mm-hmm. I think we, we all have so much that we could learn because there's just so much information out there. It's about getting your hands on the right type of information and then the the type of information that you can actually apply to your everyday life. Well, and I think it goes back to exactly what we teach, right? That there's not a one size fits all. There's a certain group of principles that we live by, but we are very much into building a plan that's realistic for what our life is and what our goals are, right? And so taking some of that knowledge that you hear out there and um, not necessarily trying to apply it word for word or, you know, exactly step for step, but but looking at it with a critical eye and, and again, not in a bad way, but saying, okay, wait, how can I tweak this to fit what my actual life is right and what mm-hmm. is going to work for me so how can i use some of this information um and apply it to my life in a way that is realistic to who i am what my goals are um and living by those those set of principles but not being so strict in the application of yeah. some of these tools right yeah and just as a reminder to our listeners, if you're asking yourself, what principles, what are you talking about? <laughs> One of our principles is just to have a plan, mm-hmm. just to have a plan, whichever plan works for you, but have a plan. Now, we think that one of the best ways to plan for your income and your expenses is to do that by your pay period and to prioritize. Now, those aren't too too rigid, too strict. I think everybody can kind of agree, hey, it makes sense to to budget as the income is coming in, uh, you know, and, and knowing what you're doing in, in between those um, those cash inflows, 
and prioritize. By prioritizing your expenses, you're just kind of saying this is the thing that's absolutely most important and you're working your way down to the thing that would be nice to do if there's still money left in the plan to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's too crazy. Now, if you're interested in that type of format, you can visit our website at newmoneyhabits.com and you can download our budget worksheet and um, you can kind of get started. But if you need help applying anything um, that you've heard us been, uh, talking about in this podcast, in this episode, and you want to schedule time with uh, either Sarah, myself, or any other of the New Money Habit coaches, you can do that at the website as well. There's other tools there, uh, by the way, some calculators and whatnot to, that can help you to kind of figure out um, what you should be budgeting around certain things. So check out the website. There's some great tools and resources there and the opportunity to schedule time with a coach one-on-one. Sarah, another great conversation that feels like it's probably uh, coming to an end too soon. Uh, I know that uh, <laughs> we could certainly go into a number of offshoots, and I think we might have some topics for some upcoming episodes uh, because of some of the things that we only were able to scratch the surface of today. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, this just goes to show that when you're just open to having a, having a conversation, right, how much knowledge um, you can gain. I gained so much information listening, you know, just having this conversation with you. Um, and it opens my eyes to a different perspective and a different way of thinking. And I might not necessarily agree, but it's okay. It's still open to hearing something different. Right. And, um, and I agree. I think there's, I don't see that we're ever going to run out of topics to discuss here, which is pretty darn amazing. So thank you again for, yeah, just another great conversation. Yeah, I do. I too appreciate the fact that we can um, explore things from different perspectives. Um, and sometimes that different perspective influences us and, and moves us to do something different. And sometimes it doesn't. And either one is perfectly fine and reasonable. Um, always a pleasure. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And we look forward to continuing this conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits Podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.